So it was a great year for VBS. We believe in it so much. We want to see the next generation come up to know and love God. And we know as a church that's one of our big responsibilities. And so um, we're very thankful for everybody's effort in this week. Thank you for coming out today and encouraging these kids and uh, supporting them in it. It's not easy because the rest of the world, the rest of the culture is going in a different direction. Have you noticed that? Yes? You're with me this morning. They're going a different direction, right? And so we want our kids, they've got to they've swim upstream. They've got to go uh, towards Jesus, and that is not easy. They're not going to get encouraged everywhere else. And so we just want to do everything we can to encourage them. Um, we, uh, their focus through this series, this week of VBS, was on the armor of the Lord. It's found in Ephesians chapter 6. If you have a Bible, I just want to work through these verses. If you want to follow along on your phone or something. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. And this is such a key passage. It's been made famous. You probably heard it talked about. It's so um, helpful when, uh, where the Apostle Paul here, again, inspired by the Holy Spirit, right? This is God's word for us. But he writes so practically for us to understand the reality of the world we're in. The truth is that we're in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual battle. And the Apostle Paul knows this. He is in the midst of it himself. And as he battles, he, uh, he learns and grows in how to fight this battle to win. And so you guys, we are the people of God. We're called out to live in this world differently than the rest of the world. The world's system belongs to uh, the enemy and is in opposition to God. And then, of course, there is an enemy that we have, a spiritual enemy we'll talk about, that we are working against in order to win this battle of living for Jesus. And yet what's at stake are the souls of the people around us. And so it's so important that we fight this battle to win. And I love this passage of Scripture because that's what it's all about. How do we win this battle? And so uh, in... in um, Chapter 6, verse 10, he starts off this, a final word. So the final words that he's going to say here, very important. He's going to hit them with some powerful stuff that they needed to hear and we need to hear too. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Can I just tell you that God's desire for you as a Christian is that you'd be strong. He didn't intend for you to be weak. For you walk out in the world and live for him, kind of meek and mild, with your tail tucked between your legs, just kind of trying to get by. And then when people pick on you, you just kind of take that, you know. And, and that's just what it means to be a Christian. We're just going to get beat up on. Well, that's true. <laughs> but the reality is that God wants us to be strong. And the Apostle Paul is encouraging this church, be strong. Be strong. Now, where does that strength come from? Am I supposed to be strong in John? Am I supposed to be strong in myself? Well, no, he says, be strong in the Lord. And of course, the word Lord is Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. So be strong in the Lord. It's his strength that is going to empower us to walk this life and live for him. You are not going to be successful living the Christian life in your own strength. As a pastor, I've tried it, not proud to say. Tried to do a lot of work in my life in, the name, in God's name by my own strength. My own power. I don't know if you're there. I don't know if you've tried that. If you're trying to do this in your own power and saying, oh no, I can live for God. I can make a difference for him. Can I just tell you, you will get eaten alive. It's not gonna work because it's not possible. 
So he says, be strong in the Lord. So it is Jesus' power that we're to walk in. He wants us to be strong in him. And Paul says, in his mighty power. Just remember that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. You and I have the same power, access to his power, and that's how we're to walk. We have an enemy, which he points to, um, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Put on God's armor. And he's gonna talk about that, and that's what all the songs were about, the armor of God. And so we have weapons, we have equipment that we're to use in this battle. But he says we're to stand against all the strategies of the devil. You know, the word devil, that name for the enemy we have in the spiritual battle, means accuser. If you read the, the book of Job in the Old Testament, probably the oldest book in the Bible written the earliest, Job is all about Satan, the accuser, going before God to accuse the human race. He's against us. He's against you. And he's working to cause you to stumble and fall. The word Satan, which is another name for the devil, for our enemy, means adversary. And so, of course, Satan is in, against an adversary role against everything that God is doing. God wants you to follow him, to live for him, right? And Satan is against that goal. He wants you to fail, at your attempts to follow God and to live for him. Satan is also known as, in the Bible, he's called the tempter, the murderer, he's called the liar. And so names identify character, right? And so these are the things he's known for because these are the things that he does. He's referred to in the Bible as a lion, a roaring lion seeking to devour us. He's called a snake or a serpent, and of course, that's the form he took in the Garden of Eden when he uh, was able to deceive Adam and Eve. And then he's also referred to as an angel of light. Satan doesn't always appear like we see in the comic books and the cartoons. He actually appears as an angel of light to deceive you. He's also called the, called the God of this age. He has the power over this atmosphere, over this world. The prince of the power of the air. And so he's a formidable adversary. This is who we are up against if we're to live this life for God. Verse 12 goes on to say this, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Not fighting against flesh and blood. Your enemies are not people. Your enemies are not flesh and blood people around you. Sometimes you think they are. Sometimes it looks like they are, but they're not. They're not the true enemy that you have. There is a spiritual enemy who's your real adversary, and he is coming for you, and certainly he'll work through people. He tries to get us all the time uh, confused and caught up in issues with other people so that we will stumble and fall and be ineffective at, at living for him. Constantly the strategy. So I understand sometimes why it seems like people are the enemy, but they're not. The real enemy is not flesh and blood. Evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Um, at times in the Bible, there are individuals who are able to see the unseen world. I'm not trying to spook you or freak you out here, but there is a world 
in our atmosphere around us that we can't see. It's a spiritual realm. And there are demons and there are angels in that realm. And they're around us. They're actively involved in the world that we're in. And the, the, the demons who fell are uh, participating with Satan, right? They're working with him. That's what this passage is teaching us. And uh, in Revelation, John wrote that probably about a third of the angels rebelled with Satan when he had his uprising against God. And when they fell from heaven, they were cast out of heaven to the earth. And so they work in this atmosphere. And so he says, this is what we're up against. Evil rulers and authorities of the unseen spiritual world. Also mighty powers in the dark world. I don't know if you've heard of the dark web. We've got the internet, the interweb, right, where a lot of stuff happens, a lot of activity. There's a dark web, which is um, inaccessible for most people. But when you get there, of course, it reflects a lot of the darkness that um, is referred to in this passage. Mighty powers in the dark world. Hidden places where evil happens. I think one of the things we're seeing in our world right now is some of that evil that's been going on, hidden in darkness, kind of not known is coming to light. And so um, it's being seen, the activity that's been going on and goes on in our world that is evil, that's against God's um, design and intention for us. And so this is what we're up against. Then he goes on also to say evil spirits in heavenly places. And you know, in the Bible, there's three heavens. There's the atmosphere above the world, where planes fly, where the birds fly, where the clouds that rain on us are at, right? And then there's outside of the earth's atmosphere, space, we call it. And then there's the heaven, third heaven is where God exists. Evil spirits in heavenly places. All of these forces are the real enemy that we have. And the truth is that the power of Jesus conquered already has conquered those forces. Jesus conquered evil. So we know that when Jesus came to earth, his mission in part was to conquer sin and death. And so Jesus comes and in and through his death, remember this, this is how God works. Satan thought if he could just kill Jesus, he would win the battle. And yet in killing Jesus, he lost once and for all. And Jesus won bringing life to us. And so the battle that we're in is real, it's spiritual, and we need to be reminded of it. I wonder if you're clued into the strategies that are being used against you on a daily basis to cause you to stumble and fall. I know you're here in part because you have a desire to follow God, to live for him. You have an interest in this. You've been called in some way by God. So you know that he exists and you know that he is calling on your life. And yet, we have an enemy who is working against us daily. I wonder if you're discerning enough to see the strategies that, he, um, that, he ta that take place and that he works to get you again to fall, to stumble, to be ineffective. If we're going to win this battle, we need to know the devil's strategies. Verse 13, he says, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil, then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. When we fight against spiritual forces, uh, we're not, it's not our job to take them out. It's not our job to destroy them. 
That's something that Jesus is going to do. If you've read Revelation, there's a final battle and all that will get taken care of. It's not your job. It's not my job. In fact, Jude tells us we should be very respectful of the spiritual forces that are against us. We shouldn't mock them. We shouldn't think um, that we can easily uh, defeat them because they, we can't. Um, Satan has a strategy and has strategies that he's been using for thousands of years on human beings. And if you'll recall in the book of Genesis, before human beings had ever fallen in sin, he figured out how to tempt them to do it. You and I are up against a, a difficult adversary. He's powerful, he's cunning, he's effective. He's the best at doing what he does, which is causing human beings to turn away from God. And the ones that turn to God to cause them to live in sin or to live ineffective in their walk with him. Remember the strategies of the enemy. We learned one of them in John 17. Um, earlier in this year, we went through Jesus' prayer for his people. And in his prayer, we saw what he was praying against, which is the enemy's strategies. So here's one of the devil's strategies that he uses and will use to throw you off in your walk or your attempts to follow him. First thing he does is he will tempt you with offense. So he will tempt you to be offended at what someone else does or doesn't do, what someone else says or doesn't say. He will tempt you to get offended. Be hurt, be upset by what they did. It's the first step in his strategy. <clears throat> Once he gets you to take that bait, then um, he'll trap you in it. And so what happens is it grows in you. You hold on to it. Every time you see that person, get angry. You have conversations in your head about them. You talk to your spouse, you talk to your kids, whatever. It grows, it builds. That anger that you have, that hurt that you have, that you got offended by something they did, right? And then if it grows and matures, it'll turn into bitterness. And what bitterness does is it allows Satan a seat at the table in your life. And so once you've held on to that offense and you didn't forgive, right, which is what we're commanded to do, you don't forgive, you hold on to the offense, and then pretty soon you've allowed Satan into your life to have influence over you. And the next thing he'll do with that offense, he tries to kind of um, cut you off uh, from the rest of believers and the rest of God's people so you have no support. Then he begins to bombard you with lies. Bombard you with lies about people, about them, about God, about, um, man, that church is full of hypocrites. He'll bombard you with things about that individual. Lies, 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 okay? And when you're offended, and honestly, when you get bitter, if you go that far down the road, you're really susceptible to those lies. And there's probably not going to be anybody in your life to counter them. Say, that's not true. That's the enemy that's lying to you. Don't believe that. And you'll probably find people to pull around you who will support those lies. They'll encourage you to believe them. <clears throat> Once you've stepped into that part of the trap, the next step is that he will encourage you or tempt you into some kind of sin pattern. And, and justify it because you deserve it. You're hurting You've been mistreated. You were wronged. And then once he has you in that, now you're, you're, really, you're really caught because you're going to feel guilt and you're going to feel shame and you're going to pull away slowly from anything that has to do with God. You won't really want to be around God's people. You won't want to be around um, what God's doing because that's the strategy. See, the devil tempts you into sin and then he condemns you once you've done it. 
This is an amazingly powerful, effective strategy that the enemy has. And so I wonder if you are discerning, mature, uh, aware enough to know this strategy. That he has this tactic that he plays against us. There's certainly many more, but that's one of his best. We've got to have the tools to stand against this attack. The strategies that the enemy has. And so, Jamie, would you come up? I've, we've got our new youth pastor, Jamie Mize, is going to come up and um, be a little bit of an illustration for us. Doesn't he look like a Roman soldier? All right. Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> okay, here's the deal. How do we stand or how to stand your ground against these attacks? How to stand your ground. <laughs> now, don't distract everybody, man. They need to be paying attention. Um, <laughs> so, so here's how it works. He goes into the next few verses. Verse 14 he says, stand your ground. Remember, your job isn't to defeat Satan, his demons, the spiritual battle. It's not like you're supposed to kill him, but we are supposed to stand firm so that we are not moved by his attempts to throw us off. So stand your ground, first of all. How do you do that? Putting on the belt of truth. First of all, put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And last, put on the salvation or put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So obviously Paul lived in a time where the Roman army was powerful. Rome was powerful. They were taking over the world um, they weren't quite at their height in the first century, but pretty close, very dominant, very powerful. And so the Roman soldier is something that Paul saw. He's writing the book of Ephesians from prison. He's around the Praetorian guard. And so he sees this. And as he's around these soldiers, he realizes, hey, I'm in a spiritual battle too. And, and, and so he uses the armor that they had as a metaphor, right? And so the belt which went around the waist, it held everything together. They usually had a tunic on that it was kind of their, you know, it kind of looked like a dress to be honest, but that's what everybody wore, right? So they had this tunic and then they had a belt. The belt had probably some protection in the front uh, um, um, so they weren't vulnerable in battle uh, for the men, right? And so um, it holds everything together. It also is kind of a tool belt, holds their sword. And so the belt is really important. And so he uses the belt. He says, here's what the belt represents spiritually. It represents truth. Truth. See, God is truth. Whatever God says is absolutely the truth. And it's all that matters. You and I hear a lot of voices. We hear a lot of messages all day long. And I can tell you that a lot of those are filled with lies. And they're meant to deceive us, to throw us off track, to get us to believe something other than what God says. And I just want to tell you today right here, you need the belt of truth, God's truth, if you're going to win this battle. You have to know the truth that comes from him. It's why we have the kids memorize some verses. It's why we have them do that. We have a wanna to, trying to get the truth into our kids' hearts and minds. Now, the truth is powerful. The truth will win against deception and lies, but we got to have it. God is truth. You've got to know what he says. You've got to believe it and hold on to it. 
And so that belt that holds everything together is the truth. If you have the truth, the devil's lies will not work on you, will not work on your kids, will not work in your home. Okay, the next piece of armor is called body armor. And honestly, um, the era that we're in, <clears throat> this is pretty close. It was kind of metal though, like um, probably some kind of iron, which I think this is supposed to be. But it, it you know, this kind of looks like football pads a little bit. And it's kind of what it looked like, but it went down here too, laced up. It was all metal, protected the core um, uh, all of the main organs, the lungs, the heart, right? Everything, the arms, this armor would have come down probably over the upper arms. And so, I mean, this was a, a big piece of armor. It was heavy. Sometimes it'd have some chain mail underneath, which could stop the penetration of a sword. And so all this was meant to protect the core of their body and give them confidence and power in the battle. They could advance into, um, into fighting if they had their body protected. Their back is protected by this body armor. And so um, Paul says this, the body armor is righteousness, God's righteousness. Now listen to this. Here's the deal. When you're living in sin, and you know you're living in sin, you know you're doing something you shouldn't do, you're in opposition to what God says, or you're not doing something you should be doing, okay? So either one of those is to live outside of God's will. You are weakened um, in a devastating way when it comes to your strength in the battle. But Paul says this armor, it's kind of the main piece, right? That's righteousness. You know, the devil is a condemner, right? He's an accuser. That's what his name means. He comes after you all the time. When you're living for God, when you're doing what's right, which is what righteousness is, guess what he can't do? <laughs> guess what doesn't work? The accusations don't work. He whispers them at you, but they, they are deflected off by that armor. There's nothing more weakening to a Christian's faith, testimony, witness, ability to fight in the battle than just simply living in sin, living and doing something that I know I'm not supposed to do. It weakens me so much. Your strength in the battle is righteous living. That's why it matters. Again, you're a soldier. You're not just getting through life comfortable, but we're in a spiritual battle. And so living right matters for our strength, and that's how we're protected from the main attacks that the enemy is going to bring at us. Well, next is the shoes, and the Roman, uh, Roman shoes didn't have the Nike swoosh, but they did, they were kind of sandals. And there's a couple different versions, but we actually still have some like Roman sandals, you know, that have been preserved. And you can look at them if you search online, it's kind of interesting. But they had, um, they had done something, so they're kind of laced up. And obviously the shoes protected their feet, allowed them to advance and fight. If their feet got wounded, if they got uh, stepped on something sharp, they're not going to be able to fight, right? It's going to affect them. And so the shoe was important, but here's something else they did. They would put what uh, were called hobnails in the bottom of them kind of created a spike, right? And so you find some old Roman shoes or sandals and they just covered, the bottom's covered with these metal spikes. And of course they gave them traction, but it also gave them the ability to, you know, stomp on somebody when they were down. It's a little bit like football. I think we took some football stuff from the Roman soldiers. But they, uh, but this is, this was the deal. So the shoes represent this. It's the gospel of God's peace. The gospel now listen, here's the deal. When you and I get up every morning and we know every step we take has purpose, 
It has meaning. We're headed out into the world to represent Jesus. We're on mission. We're going to talk to somebody today. We're going to get to share with somebody today. We're going to have a spiritual conversation. Don't take the bait. Okay, so the armor, hey, there we go. So the armor was, um, or the shield, excuse me. It was probably like two foot by four foot. Pretty big piece. Wood, thick wood covered with leather. And this was meant for a couple things. One is they could actually link it together. They could link their shields together and move forward. So it kind of gave them a way to push against an, uh, an enemy force. But the other thing the shield was meant to do, and Paul mentions it here, in this passage, he says, um, the shield of faith is to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. The fiery arrows of the devil. And so um, this is a different kind of attack that the enemy's making. Usually from a distance, 
um, you're going to get shot at, and these arrows are going to come for you. And, of course, in Roman warfare, a lot of times that was the beginning of the campaign. Their archers would shoot the arrows, and they'd dip them in tar, light them on fire, and shoot at them. And it was meant to start fires um, behind the battle scene or, or the battle um, field and, and in the midst of the enemy. And so distraction and, and more um, <clears throat> danger around them. And you know how fire kind of creates that fear, and so I know that we have an age, we live in an era where there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear and a lot of depression. And the enemy, um, it's one of the arrows that he shoots at us, comes in that form. Again, it's from a distance. It, it feels like it's coming out of nowhere. And uh, it creates that sense of fear in us. You know, what's going to happen? Are we going to be able to make it? Am I going to be successful? Is this marriage going to work? Um, am I going to be able to raise these kids? Or am I going to be able to provide? You know, uh, all these things that, that cause anxiety and fear. And so those arrows are shot at you, intending to discourage you. But see, the shield in the armor of God is faith. And so the answer to fear, anxiety, depression is faith. It's, it's to say this, yeah, there's arrows coming at me. There's, there's um, uh, these weapons, it's danger all around me. There's threats around me. But guess who I'm not trusting? I'm not trusting the world that I live in. My trust is in Jesus. He's my provider. He's the one who's gonna give me the strength to be successful. He actually promises in his word that if we follow his commands, if we do what he says, if we line our lives up with him, that we will be prosperous and successful now, that doesn't mean that we'll be wealthy and we'll have all the bells and whistles and toys. That's not what it means. But can I tell you that success and prosperity are really about much more than things. The people that get confused and believe that things and trinkets and houses and stuff is success or the meaning of success in life, they've bought into one of the lies of the enemy. That's not success. Success is... <clears throat> Raising your kids to know and love God. Success is having a strong marriage. Success is um, having your needs met. Being thankful for what you have. The shield of faith will protect you from these arrows that are meant to discourage you. To fill you with fear. To distract you. Next we have the helmet. <clears throat> and that's, yeah, that's pretty close. I mean, they did have like the feathers on top. It was supposed to make them look taller. And uh, again, there's a couple different eras of helmets, but at the time Paul was writing, it had the neck deal, this neck piece to protect their neck and probably uh, the ear hole and maybe not really a visor like that, but they had some pieces on the side. So it had advanced and their ability to build helmets had improved. The helmet, Paul says, in your spiritual armor is salvation. I ask a lot of people um, that I get a chance to sit down with, on a scale of one to a hundred, how sure are you if you were to die tonight that you're going to heaven? So um, in this room, I just wonder, um, how many of you would say uh, 50%? Scale of one to a hundred, 50% chance if I die tonight, I'm going to heaven. Don't be scared to raise your hand. Anybody say 50? Anybody say 60? 70? Yeah, 70, a few 70s. 80? Maybe 90? We got a 90? 95? You're not wanting to participate today. 100? 
Who's my hundreds? Okay, good. You know the right answer. Hey, listen, the truth is that salvation matters. The helmet of salvation matters. Here's, what, here's where you get weak, and I'm not picking on you if you didn't say 100. It's a tough question. A lot of people are not sure. Where do I stand with God? Am I sure if I were to die? How can you know for sure? And so here's the truth. That helmet of salvation protects your head, your mind, your thoughts, right? Very important part of the body that the helmet protects. And so here's why Paul said that's your salvation is because when you have an assurance of salvation, guess what you have? You have confidence. You're not walking in fear and uncertainty. And so you have strength to move forward knowing that there is nothing that can separate you from God. And the truth is the Bible teaches us that when we put our trust in him, put our trust in what Jesus did, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that his death on the cross paid for my sins. And when I put my trust in him and I'm saved by grace through that faith, that I'm saved. And once I belong to him, there's nothing that can take me out of his hands. Nothing can separate me from him. And that includes you. You can't separate yourself from God. And so it's important to know that it gives us strength as we walk with Jesus. The helmet of salvation protects us from discouragement, from doubt. The next piece of armor is unique. It's the only offensive weapon, and that is the sword. And it's called the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so this is what we are to use, not against the pastor. No, we're, we're, uh, we're meant to use the sword. We actually can use that against the devil offensively. Remember when Jesus was tempted, what did he do? He quoted scripture. Another kind of argument for why it's important to memorize scripture. A lot of people feel like that's too much to ask. It's, ah, do we really have to memorize it? Listen, it's not like a rule. It's not something to impose on you. It's so that it's in your heart. So you're able to use it because when you're tempted, if you know the truth, you can combat the devil's attempts to throw you off by using his word. The word is powerful. It is what we're to use against the lies of the enemy. Do you know the truth of God's word? Are you walking with it in your heart? Well, the last thing he says in this passage is that we're to stay alert not to fall asleep. We are in a spiritual battle. We need to be aware that it's happening around us and be prepared with the armor that we're putting it on every day and we're ready to engage. Verse 18, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. When we pray, it's our direct line to our Father in heaven. A direct support line. Keeps us connected to him. Keeps us empowered. You know, armies need communication, and without communication, they fall. And so we need to be communicating with God, talking to him, um, interacting with him, drawing our courage, our strength, our energy from him. And so be alert. Be aware the world that we live in is against us. You and I are meant to win this battle. God calls us not to live a life of discouragement, not a life that's weak, not a life that's faithless, but he calls us to be strong and to walk with him in a way and walk in such a way as to win. And so I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you today. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what attack is being used on you today, but I know there's one that's being used on you. 
I know the devil knows your playbook. He knows your weak spots and he's coming after you. Don't get discouraged. Don't quit. Don't listen to him. Don't allow his attempts to stop you from moving forward. It is time to take a stand. The world we live in is growing dark. Darkness always is all around us. You are needed in this battle more than ever. It's you and I that are going to be a part of this fight. And we can help others see what God is doing in the world when we live for him. Will you continue to pray? Will you continue to stand and to fight? Recently, there was a Christian leader who got on an airplane traveling, and he noticed there was a man sitting a couple seats away from him who was thumbing through some little cards that he had in front of him. His lips were moving. There wasn't any sound coming out. The man looked like a professional, had a goatee, kind of pegged him to be around 50-something. So guessing that the man was a fellow believer, he kind of leaned over to him and said, it looks looks to me like you're memorizing something or you're memorizing some verses. And the man said, no, actually, I was praying. Um, and and uh, this pastor said, oh, you pray? I, I believe in prayer too. I pray as well. What are you praying about? And the man said, well, I've got a specific assignment to be praying for. I'm praying for the downfall of Christian pastors. And uh, Steve said, really? Or the this pastor said, really, I'm probably one of those. <laughs> Am I on your list? And the man said, not on my list. Hey, I don't know if you know this, but um, it's a real battle. And, and it's not something meant to scare us, but it's meant to cause us to sit up and take notice, to be aware, and to take seriously. Because the enemy's working hard to take you and I out. My prayer is he's not successful. That you're You're aware, you know what's going on, you know his attempts, you know his strategy, and you're staying strong in the Lord. You're walking in strength, you're surrounding yourself with other Christians, so you have encouragement, so your faith is continued to be built up, so that you're walking with him. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for today, thank you for what our kids learned this week. So important, this armor, it's essential that we put it on and that we know what it does and we know how to use it so that we are able to stand against the enemy's attacks. So we're able to represent you in this world and not walk out every day in fear, but filled with courage and strength and power. And so God, would you fill each person here with your strength and your power, with your truth? Would you fill them with faith? Would you give them that courage? Would you help them to walk in righteousness, Father, so that they have that um, that gospel that they're carrying with them, that they move out each day representing you, that they're confident in their salvation, and that they have your word hidden in their heart ready to use against the attacks of the enemy. God, make us strong. Make your church strong. Father, we thank you for this time out here today. Thank you for the food that we're gonna eat. Thank you for everybody that fixed food and brought it. Father, we just thank you for this time to fellowship together, to encourage each other, encourage our kids to walk with you. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.